Thank you, ladies. Appreciate that much. Grab your Bibles. Join me in Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5 as we bring this series on what is church to a close this morning. And uh, boy, I, I've enjoyed it. I hope you have too. It's been neat to be renewed and expanded in our understanding of the design of the church by God himself. And it's been time well spent uh, here uh, in this study. But we're going to finish it up today. Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, just find your spot there. Kind of look up this way. We'll look specifically at um, some verses. Let's remind ourselves where we finished last week. And as we get into today, we'll kind of finish up the thoughts that we were continuing last week, but we'll also share some things from my heart as pastor for you. And and uh, I'd encourage you, uh, I trust the Lord will do some things in our midst and uh, challenge us in some ways as we attempt to be a New Testament church the way God designed it to be. Last week, if you'll notice, we picked up and left off noting what Paul said about what uh, a mature Christian is. We're talking about the growth and maturity, and we came to this conclusion. It's a believer that is increasingly concerned with manifesting the character of Christ through obedience to the Word of God. And two questions we derived from our sermon last week to ask ourselves in contemplation, consideration of our own maturation process. In other words, my growing into the likeness of Christ, how am I doing? One of the questions was simply this, am I moving away from childish characteristics and attitudes? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13, it talked about children being tossed to and fro and unstable and not steadfast in any way. And so do I still maintain some childish uh, attitudes and characteristics? That was one question. The second question was this, am I increasingly concerned? As I grow in Christ, am I increasingly concerned with manifesting the character of Christ through obedience to the Word of God as demonstrated in my leaving and moving on from the basics of the faith, getting past the doctrines and the, the rudiments, the basic doctrines, if we might put it that way. And so that was kind of the question we finished with, those two questions to challenge us about where we are at in the maturation process. Now, as we c- continue today, uh, in just a couple weeks, we're going to join Zach, uh, Yeomans, and Susanna as we celebrate with them their upcoming wedding. In fact, in just two weeks, Christian Garcia is getting married uh, down Carolina, right? If I remember correctly, I almost said Pennsylvania. He's going to be working in Pennsylvania and uh, getting married in Carolina. And so uh, he's going get, to be getting married in two weeks. We're going to celebrate with an open house with Zach and Susanna and their wedding coming up in the fall. Think about it in terms of a wedding and so forth. There are... Uh, there is much that goes into preparation for a wedding. In fact, one of the, the biggest things that the most fuss goes into is the preparation of the bride. You think about it. Um, a bride doesn't get up on her wedding day and say, yeah, I'll just, I'll just pick something out of the closet. I, I'm just going to throw my hair up, throw it in a ponytail or something just to keep it out of my way today. She doesn't just spend five minutes on makeup. No, very seldom would a bride approach her wedding day such in such a way or such a manner. Um, there's a lot of fuss that goes into it. That girl has been dreaming since she was five or six years old about that day. She's been fantasizing it. Her poor, unfortunate little brother has played marriage with her wedding day. She's dragged him down the aisle uh, umpteen times. And if she doesn't have a little brother, she's taking a teddy bear and boy, prepared for it. I, I'm telling you, this is, she, this is a day she's been looking forward to. And you better believe that there's going to be preparation and all kinds of things that go into it. Why? Because she understands, as she's practiced, 
That the moment that day comes, there will be a moment in time in that wedding where those back doors fling open and every head turns and they gaze upon her to take in her perfect beauty. And so what does she do? She, she takes it serious. She picks out a wedding dress months or a year before. She makes alterations to it and she makes alterations to the alterations. So it's just perfect. She may even try, she, she may even practice walking in her wedding dress so she doesn't slip and fall. That would not look good on the video, amen? The trip over the train or something like that. Boy, she puts a lot of, uh, a lot of effort into it. She has spent hours in a small fortune at the beauty salon getting her hair perfect. Not one hair out of place. Maybe even to the extent of using five cans of hairspray. But it will not move. It will stay in place. The hair is perfect. She spends time, as you think about it. She's gotten a manicure. And she's taken Brother Dave Cooper's advice and got a pedicure. And she is ready. Her nails, her hands, and fingernails, her toenails, they're, they're all ready to go. She spent much time into it. Bridesmaid dresses, of course, and other things. She spent many minutes, if not hours, getting her makeup just right. Now, can I tell you, I've known many a bride to actually practice her makeup weeks before. Making sure it is just perfect. So that when she appears in that back door, she is the perfect picture of beauty. Boy, a lot of time and effort goes into it. Getting it right. She's even spent many, many hours listening to music, songs, to pick out the perfect song to to walk into. And she hasn't done it alone. The groom. Many friends and family have all pitched in. They've helped. They've contributed. They've encouraged. They've supported. And at that moment that she is presented at the back of the auditorium to her groom and in the front of the eyes of all these people, that is a wonderful, enjoyable moment of any wedding when those doors fly open. And I, I think of Robert and Laura's wedding just a few weeks ago. And boy, those doors fly open. Everybody's attention is drawn to the back. And there is the bride in all her glorious beauty that took a lot of work. Amen. A lot of preparation. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. All that preparation. A lot of people pitched in so that she is as close to perfect as she could be. It didn't happen by accident. It took time. It took effort. It took hard work. It took focus. It took discipline. It took sacrifice. It took denying herself of some things so she could get other things. It took a lot to it. Look down with me at verse 27 or verse 25. Excuse me, down through verse 27. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Notice it. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Note that. We'll come back to it and, and, and reference it. Cleansing, sanctify by the washing of the water by the word. Verse 27. Notice it that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Why in the world have we spent 17 plus weeks studying what is church? My friend, it culminates, it is expressed in this passage. Because there comes a day, just like a bride is presented to her groom, 
If she wants to be as perfect as possible, my friend, the day is coming when you and I are going to be presented to our Lord Jesus Christ. And our heart's desire, and the church is given to us, as is God's Word and the Holy Spirit, to help us be as perfect as possible. So that when He gazes His eyes on us, He sees a totally different person than when He found us in salvation. He redeemed us. You see, like a bride preparing for the wedding day, that day of presentation to her groom, you and I, every day we walk this earth as a believer, we are preparing for that day when we will be presented to our Savior. Just as the bride has many people helping her, her family doing much with her and assisting her, you and I have the family of God given to us by God to help us, to assist us, to encourage us, to help us be ready. We would put it this way. We literally share the same goal. A human bride wants to look beautiful and as close to perfect as possible physically. The church, Christ's bride, wants to be beautiful and as close to perfect as possible spiritually. The title of the sermon, if you caught it, I didn't draw reference to it, is simply this. What is the church? The bride getting ready. The bride getting ready. And so we are. You know, there's a terminology today. (laughs) Uh, A bride who gets caught up in the stress and the angst of getting ready is called bridezilla. Don't be a bridezilla, okay? But you know what that is impartial reference to and understanding? It is that a bride is serious. A bride is focused. They're, They're purposed about this often as a mission in their life to be ready no matter the sacrifice financially, the sacrifice of time, the sacrifice of energy, all with what? That day in mind. Six months, a year beforehand, they're preparing, they're getting ready. What? For that simple day. I dare say there's many a bride who's never wore their dress another single day. You maybe never spend as much time on your hair and makeup as that day. Getting geared up for that. So listen, there's, there are many similarities between a physical human bride and we as part of the church, the bride of Christ. But can I ask you, when we read this statement that a bride is so serious, she's sacrificing, she's on a mission to get ready for that day. Does the similarity end? Do you and I have that same mission in life where we say, listen, uh, what's your life all about? Well, I am getting ready for that day. I am preparing for the day that I'm going to see Jesus Christ. And I don't want to come empty-handed. I don't want to just walk in like I threw on something, like I just threw my hair up like this. I don't want to do that. I want to come ready where I am presentable to Jesus Christ. That's our goal in life. As a Christian, that's my responsibility. That's what God wants for me. And he's given me the local church and God's word and the Holy Spirit to affect me in that way, to help me, to prepare me. You see, God wants every single one of us growing towards that day. We talked last week about maturing in Christ. Have you stopped growing in Christ? Hey, I look good enough. I'm fine. 
Have you even gone backwards? Have you lost your commitment and clarity about what the purpose of the Christian walk is? You were saved for a purpose, and the reality is you and I are to become like Christ so that one day as we are presented to Him, wow, He can admire the work that He has done. The change that He has effected through all that He has given us. And we lost sight that you and I are to be glorious without spot or wrinkle, without blemish and holy. Have you lost your, your focus on the end goal? Some of us this morning, we need to jump start this process in our lives again. We need to get back on focus and say, wait a second, there is a purpose to my life spiritually. I am to be looking forward to that day when I'm going to meet my Savior. We sang or heard the song sung, excuse me, turn your eyes upon Jesus. I trust as a believer you look forward to the day that your eyes will gaze upon Jesus. And I trust your heart yearns to be ready for the day where he'll turn his eyes upon you. Physically, face to face. And he'll see the outcome of this life lived. We have all the tools, the assets given to us for us to grow. So how do we? How is it? What are the factors that play into you and I getting ready for that day? Well, we're going to look back to Ephesians 4 as we spent much time in it uh, for how do we get ready? He interestingly, Paul does, gives us the answer in this presentation of the goal of the edification process. This is a great time of year. Many of you have gardens. You're bringing in cucumbers and tomatoes and other plants. Maybe corn's starting to come too and things like that. But we all know this. If you're going to plant something like that, there's certain factors that have to be present. You have to have the right kind of soil, nutrients. Water has to be there. Sun, time. You have to give it time. There's many factors, specific factors, that are necessitated that it takes to grow vegetables. And so it is true spiritually. In this maturation process, as we talked about, last week from little children uh, to two children to young men to fathers as first john describes as we try to grow in christ it requires certain factors to prepare us for our presentation day what are some of them well as we're going to look in ephesians chapter four let me draw remind you of something we looked at last week for the first factor you see, one of the first factors we come to understand is what Paul mentioned in Hebrews chapter 5. You don't have to turn there, but you remember the statement of verse 12. He said this, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers. So in the maturation process, Paul said, Listen, there was a time where you needed to be teachers, but I had to give you the milk of God's Word. What's the first factor? Well, we understand it when even growing vegetables. What does it require? It requires time. I have said this often that, and used this word purposefully that it is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It is not in a short amount of time. But growing in Christ, becoming what we ought to, takes time. It is why the Bible tells us often that we ought not to elevate into leadership a novice. That's why we're careful not to take a babe in Christ and put them in a position which demands maturity, discernment, stability, and a willingness to grow. Time is a necessary ingredient for those things. On the other side of the coin, it's crucial for us to understand these simple thoughts. We can't get discouraged. It takes time for us to grow into Christ. We aren't perfect yet. Uh, we can't come be, become impatient with others because they haven't grown either. They aren't perfect. It takes time. One of my favorite kids' songs, you probably know it. He's still working on me. 
to make me what I ought to be. Aren't you thankful God hasn't stopped working? It takes time. Every single one of us, he's, he's growing us if we'll allow him. And we have to be submitted and willing to say, okay, God, work on me today as I've come into Fostoria Baptist Church. Work on me through your word and your Holy Spirit. I'm going to seek you today. Father, grow me, change me, work on me. Uh, there was many, many years ago, a slogan came out too that goes right in hand with this. It was on bumper stickers, cups, shirts, you name it. And uh, you'd find it all over the place, it seemed, many years ago. But it was, it was this statement. And maybe you see it even still today. Please be patient. God is not through with me yet. Great truth. It's true. It takes time. None of us have arrived. None of us are perfect. There is still time to prepare for that day when you and I are presented to Jesus Christ. But here's the key, friend. Listen to me. You've got to be changing. You've got to be preparing. That's God's plan. You don't want to come in with your makeup disheveled, with your hair messed up, with uh, not wearing your best things. No, no, you want to be ready for that day. So I'm going to put on Christ. I'm going to keep following him and put on the very characteristic, the image of Christ as we are commanded to do in his word. Our maturation, our preparation to be presented to God, holy and without blemish, is going to take time. Now look at verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 4. Two more factors quickly. Notice it. Till we all, we've read this verse a ton. I understand, but man, it's great. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The second factor is found in that phrase, unity of the faith. What does that mean? What is he talking about? Put it this way. He's speaking of understanding and knowledge, having knowledge of the great truths of the gospel and the Christian faith found within God's Word. So one of the necessary factors is that I have the doctrines. I understand that I am in God's Word gaining these truths. And it's emphasized, as we have seen in this chapter, in the setting of the body of Christ, the church. He has blessed us with teachers and preachers to ground us in the Word of faith, to help us understand the doctrines of the faith, the Word of God, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. To bring us now into a oneness uh, of commonly believed truth found in his word. This is literally being biblically equipped and established together in the teaching of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We mature through it. It's the end goal is the church being brought to the point of perfect unity. That's found in this shared knowledge and understanding of the doctrines of Christ. So as we have this and we grow in the understanding and the knowledge of the doctrines of Christ and of the faith, then what does it describe here? Unity. It's the kind of unity where there's no division, no discord, no conflict, no turmoil in the church. It's all eradicated in this kind of unity. But it will only happen as each of us are matured and perfected through the means of edification in the church that we have seen. The preaching and teaching of God's Word. The ministry one towards another. I told you to remember Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26. He said that the cleansing and that the purifying, the sanctifying work that takes place in our lives happens how? Through the washing of the water by the Word. God's word in that edification process helps us to grow in the unity of the faith, understanding and gaining knowledge. Number two, quickly, or third factor, excuse me, the second part of verse 13, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. It's not a, notice it, a knowledge of the Son of God. Not just a head knowledge, not just, uh, just oh yeah, I know who Christ is, I know about him. No, my friend, it is experiencing, encountering Jesus Christ. Uh, it, it's 
the Greek word here. Notice what the Greek word's definition is. Literally, the Greek word of knowledge here, uh, it means to have a, a full knowledge that is correct and accurate. A full knowledge. It's not simply knowing about Christ. It's knowing Christ. It's exactly what Fostoria Baptist Church maintains as part of its mission statement. We endeavor to help people to know God, yes, in salvation, but on a much deeper personal relationship level. This is how we would define that phrase in the Scripture. It's striving to know Him directly, personally, spiritually, intimately, on a level far beyond acquaintance. If someone were to ask you today, do you know Jesus Christ? How could you describe it? Someone walked up to you, as it ought to happen sometimes in church. If someone walks up to you and says, hey, how are you doing spiritually? See, sometimes we let it creep into the church what the world says. Well, you know, religion and spiritual things, are that's a personal matter. No, it's a church matter. Do you hear me, Christian? It's a church matter. So how are you doing spiritually? How do you know Christ? Would you say that you have an intimate, personal, deep relationship with Christ? Because my friend, part of getting ready for our presentation day is coming to know Christ deeper into a greater degree. Knowing Him so closely. Or, or would we have an, a, just an acquaintance knowledge of God? Oh, we could give you some facts about God and about Jesus Christ, but I really don't walk with Him to know Him daily. You see, we exist as a local body of believers, the church, to help and encourage one another to Christian, to walk with Christ daily, every Christian, to spend time often in His presence, to daily spiritually seek to meet Him face to face through prayer, His Word, time listening. This is really living out our faith that we have in common. So it's taking, understand, verse 13, it's taking that unity of the faith, understanding and the knowledge of the doctrines and the teaching of Christ, and now I'm living it out in fellowship of Jesus Christ, literally in obedience. One person has said it well before, you cannot know Jesus Christ until you follow Jesus Christ. You cannot know him until you follow him. Listen to me. The disciples are a prime example. When the disciples first came to know Christ, they had an acquaintance knowledge of God, of Christ. He's a teacher. He does a miracle worker. But the longer that they followed him all around Galilee, they learned of him. They learned about him. They knew him personally. What did they come to realize? Woo! He's the Messiah. He is who he says he is. And they have grown in great knowledge of their Jesus, of their Christ. My friend, you and I are on the very same journey. But do you know him like that? Are you a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Literally daily sitting at his feet and gleaning from him as you read the word, as the Holy Spirit convicts and teaches and challenges us through the power of the full word of God. Where are you at? Because part of this maturation process, what the church is here to help you do, is to walk with Jesus. We can never forget, as we've pointed out several sermons ago, that ritual can never replace obedience. And might we add to that this morning, listen to me carefully, religion cannot replace relationship. Because you know what sometimes goes with religion? Ritual. But you know what goes with relationship? Obedience. 
We follow God. We listen. We say, okay, God, Christ, you have some things that in our relationship you want me to follow, you want me to do, and I'm going to do those things. A relationship with Christ, it thrives on obedience. It thrives on obedience. Yes, we're his bride, the church, but we are children of God. Can I tell you this morning that my relationship, even with my children, thrives on obedience? Their obedience to me? And so yours and mine, as children of God, our relationship with Christ, with God, it thrives on obedience. We know this well. You don't need to be reminded of it, but boy, we never want to underestimate or underemphasize the word of God. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my what? Commandments. That's obedience. Now listen to me. Obedience is not just an expression of love. As this verse puts it, it is not just an expression of love. You know what obedience is also an expression of? It's an expression of dependence. Dependence upon God. Dependence upon His Word. So as I obey it, I'm saying, listen, I need that. I'm dependent upon that. There are things that it provides for me in my life that I can't live without. So as much as I love God and I want to obey Him because I love Him, I'm also heavily dependent upon God. I'm heavily dependent upon His Word. It's going to do some things for me I cannot do for myself. Luke chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus Christ says this, But He said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the Word of God and keep it. Blessings upon those that are obedient. Relationship growth. Now listen, some of you are already thinking in your heads. You did it just a few moments ago. Pastor Henry, we get it. If there's one thing that has been emphasized throughout this series, Pastor, is that the Word of God is important. That the church needs to preach and teach the Word of God. That every believer's responsibility is to ensure that they are obeying it. Can I tell you, I fully realize that there has not been one message that has gone on as we have studied what is church that doesn't reference either obeying God's Word or the importance of the Word of God. But I'll tell you, my friend, as long as Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 is in our Bible, you're going to hear a whole lot of God's Word. You say, why in the world? Because notice what it says. God's Word is what? It's powerful. It's powerful. It's quick. It's alive. My friend, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now listen to me. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't preach the Word of God. But I sure am thankful this morning that God's Word is powerful. Do you believe that? Do you believe that as even the Scriptures say, God's Word is the power unto salvation, it is the power unto sanctification, God's Word is powerful. And if there is something powerful that I can come into exposure to, woo! I want that power. I want that power. I want God's Word working in me and through me. I want to be exposed to it. I want it unleashed in my life. Listen to me. Don't ever doubt it. God's Word is as alive today as any of us here. 
It is quick. It is alive. It is more powerful than any of us here. It is as sharp as any surgical instrument that as it speaks and it cuts to the heart when it is heard and listened to. And my friend, why are we emphasizing relationship? Because here, relationship goes with obedience. And do you know what obedience does in the life of a Christian? It unleashes the power of God's Word in your life and in my life. When I obey God's word, I open the doors to the power of God working in me and through me. You know what I found in my own life? I cannot do life on my own. I need God's power working in me and through me to accomplish anything that gets done. I need the power of God. You need the power of God. And how has he given us his power expressed? For the word of God is quick and powerful. It's this book here. So many people in many different areas are looking for the proverbial silver bullet. Can I tell you, I found it. It's the Word of God. It has all the answers to life's questions. If there is something you need, it has, it can meet the need. It has the answers. It is powerful. It has and is the one thing that every person needs without exception. As a pastor, the thing that thrills my heart more than anything else is to know that a church member is listening to the Word of God, that you are sensitive to the Word of God, and that you are obeying it. We have for many years, we're about to celebrate the 50th anniversary. The reality is this, God has blessed Fostoria Baptist Church. One of the main reasons He has blessed it, because from this pulpit and from our Sunday school lecterns, from every aspect of ministry, we have not failed to teach the Word of God. We have taught and preached the milk, the meat, and the entire doctrines of the Word of God. So if our story Baptist Church is all about, why is that so important? Why do we emphasize it, Pastor? Why do you reference God's Word and our obedience to it? My friend, I want you to have power in your life. I want you to live powerfully. You can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. We can only do it through a relationship with Christ where we are obedient to His Word. And that power is unleashed in our lives. Though we teach it and we preach it, the reality is this, obedience is then your choice. It's your choice. It's my choice personally, whether through being sensitive to the Word of God, taught and preached, that I allow its power to be unleashed in my life. Obedience unlocks the door. It is the key that says, okay, God, come on in. You renovate. You do what you need to do. Get me ready for that presentation day. I want to be ready to meet my Savior. So do what you need to do. I will be obedience sensitive. It ought to be. Now listen to me, and I want to challenge you. Fostoria Baptist Church. It ought to be that the longer I am in church, that the more word of God that I hear, the more sensitive I am to it, and the more obedient I am to the whole counsel of God, and then the more power I have in my life. My friend, that is God's plan in point. Longer I'm in church, boy, I'm just soaking it in. And I, I'm allowing God's word from a young age. We see teenagers here and, and even younger. At a young age, you've decided, wow, God's word is powerful. I want that in my life. Help me to have it. And as I have it in my life, boy, I'm going to yield to it. I'm going to be sensitive to it. And I'm going to unleash that power. That statement here above me, 
It led, interestingly, an author made this statement based upon this thought. He said this, Christians, now listen to me carefully and let me explain. Christians over 50 should be the most turned on, the most excited, the most committed, the purest, the most enthusiastic, and the most available for service Christians in the entire church. I almost thought about having you all raise your hand if you're 50 years and older, but I'm not going to do that. Do you catch what he said? Why is that? Why does he think that they're 50? Wait, 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 no, 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 no. We need young people. We need their energy. We need their life. And we need this. No, my friend, Pastoria Baptist Church needs mature Christians. And you know why we need 50 years old and older? We know, you know why we need senior saints? Here's why. Because you have lived the longest with God. You have built a thriving relationship with Him through hearing His Word and obeying it and seeing the power and blessing it brings in your life down through the years. We need your experience, senior saints, of living this kind of life that says, wait a minute, God's Word is powerful, so I'm going to heed it, I'm going to listen to it, I'm going to follow it, I'm going to be sensitive to it, even in my old age, I'm going to be sitting on the edge of my seat every time the Word of God is preached, every time that it is taught. I can't wait to get to my devotions. Why? Because I'll tell you, my friend, I have found something powerful. It has changed my life. It has renovated me. It has dressed me up. I like saying to sometimes people, when they don't put on a suit or tie or something, they're like, wow, you clean up nicely. Can I tell you what some people should look at us after we've been walking with God, we've been obeying His Word, they ought to look at us and say, wow, you clean up nicely. God has done a major work in your life, and praise be to God. But it takes a life of obedience. It takes a life of saying, I'm going to be yielded and sensitive to it. Now listen to me carefully. Fostoria Baptist Church does not have a problem with lacking young people in our midst. But I'm sick and tired of hearing among churches that a certain church needs more young people because it lacks energy. It needs more young people to bring some excitement. It needs more young people to serve. It needs more young people to to make spiritual decisions. And that church, whatever church it is, is being knocked because, quote-unquote, it is full of old people. You ever hear that? I do. Sick and tired of hearing it. It ought to be, and pardon the terminology here, it ought to be that the quote-unquote old people are the ones leading the way in evangelism, in service, in being sensitive to the preaching and responding to it, in being the energy behind the church endeavors and outreaches, in being the spiritual accountability for the younger believers, in leading the way in every way. Amen and amen. That is God's pattern. It is biblical. The older teaching the younger. The older leading the way. Bringing the excitement, the maturity, the reality that, wow, God's word is true. And it is powerful. And let me tell you what he's done in my life. Fostoria Baptist Church needs such mature believers. Believers of all ages that have found God's word to be just that powerful. These are people who have applied God's Word for a longer time. They have a longer pattern of obedience in their lives. 
And if God's Word truly is powerful, and you said you believe that a moment ago, that God's Word is powerful, then our lives should represent its power at work for many, many years. But let's not be mistaken. Here's why people say that about certain churches. Because there are some Christians who retire spiritually and stop leading the way. They take a back seat, whether forced to sometimes or by their own willingness and choices. They fail to give the church the energy, the dynamic that only they can bring. See, there are Christians who are just simply old people. They're the old people in the church because they have failed. Excuse me. They have failed throughout their lives in listening and applying divine truth. They have failed in establishing a pattern of obedience. They have failed in experiencing the power of the Word of God unleashed in their lives. My friend, Faustoria Baptist Church needs mature Christians, older believers, that much like the valiant, hoary heads of the Old Testament, much like the white-haired men and women of the nation of Israel of old, were godly leaders, like the mature believers in the New Testament that were the powerful foundation for what God did in the book of Acts. Faustoria Baptist Church needs mature believers who in their living and in their actions and in their counsel, the power of God is evident and demonstrated in their lives. How do you gain the power of God? Oh, my friend, the Word of God is quick and powerful. Quick and powerful. The next 50 years of Fostoria Baptist Church will only be as successful as you and I are in our obedience to the Word of God. And our obedience is dictated by our sensitivity to the Word of God. Am I listening? Am I on the edge of my chair when he, the Word is being taught and preached and i just soaking it in? But, listen closely. If a believer simply hears the Word of God, Sunday after Sunday, daily devotions after daily devotions, we read it. And yet we are not sensitive to it. And we walk out these doors and we don't respond with obedience, but rather we maintain the same lifestyles, the same patterns of living. We fail to apply the truth of God's Word. Then I'll tell you, you know what you are as a believer? You're just an old believer. You're not a mature believer. You've got to take God's Word and you've got to be sensitive to it in such a way that says, wow, that's powerful. I need that in my life and now I'm going to apply it through obedience. I'm going to use it in my life. No power in one's life when they do such. Subsequently, his or her church, that believers, misses out on the power that they could bring to that local assembly. And in that power, there's no excitement there's no joy. There's little to offer the church and future generations of, and the way of energizing and leading the church. Listen to me. I, like you, have heard, oh, boy, that, that church over there, they're just dead. You know what it's saying? There's no power in the church. You know why there's no power in the church? Because people are not listening and sensitive to the Word of God and then obeying the Word of God. You want a church to be exciting? You want a church to be all that God designed it to be? My friend, it needs the power of God. It doesn't need to change its music. It doesn't need to change its version. It doesn't need to change its activities. It needs the power of God. It needs the Word of God. We don't yield and we don't obey to the Word of God. There's going to be way too many people who go to church 
They learn the facts. They grow older. They have a lot of knowledge, but they have no application of the truth. You know what believers are? Many, they're full of facts, but they have no power. Very little victory. Very little joy and excitement. They don't energize the church. They drain it. They don't bring a needed dynamic. They take away from it. Because in their personal lives, they have no power. And they do not offer it to the church. Their hearts are hardened and calloused. There's a spiritual coldness that's present. They are no longer sensitive to God's Word, and there simply is no power. My friend, I stand before you today as a preacher of the Word of God. That is not the Christian life. Though it has become the norm in many sectors, in many places, that is not what God intended for a Christian to live. And furthermore, that isn't preparing to be presented to Jesus Christ. It isn't church. We don't come to Fostoria Baptist Church to get our ears tickled. We don't come here to, to get spoon-fed. We don't come here to, to have this attitude of, well, we need more activities and more entertainment. We need this. No, my friend, you and I come here so that we can hear the powerful Word of God so that you and I can become more like Christ and we can see the power of God unleashed in our lives through obedience to the Word of God. We aren't playing church at Fostoria Baptist Church. It's not a game. This isn't a show. It isn't a religious ritual. You know what we want at Fostoria Baptist Church? We want the power of God in our lives and in our church. And we will settle for nothing less than 50 more years of God's power being displayed at Fostoria Baptist Church. But it is not dependent upon a preacher behind a pulpit. It is not dependent upon certain deacons and the deacons. It's not dependent upon Sunday school teachers. All in and of ourselves, you know what's dependent upon? The pastor in the pulpit, the deacons, the Sunday school teachers, and every other member unleashing the power of God in their lives. Through obedience to the word of God. It's us coming together as a family saying, wow, well, we've heard about edification. I want that. I want to get involved. I want to be a part of a local church that's building up others, that holds each other accountable, that looks at them and says, listen, we need to grow into Christ's likeness. Let's study God's word together. Let's memorize God's Word and hold each other accountable for memorizing it. Let's, let's have a Bible study and you and me a lunch breaker. Let's get God's Word in us so the power of God can be unleashed in our lives. That's our goal and our desire. And it only happen when we hear the Word of God, when we're sensitive to the Word of God and we obey the Word of God. When it is preached, I hear it. I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit. My heart is tender and sensitive to that truth. And then I decide to apply it and to heed it, and I see its power at work in my life. Notice this statement. The energy of the church, the lifeblood of the church, comes from Christians of all ages. Please don't misunderstand the last 15 minutes as a negative on young people. Listen to me. I love young people. I love preaching to them. I love talking to them. I love working with them. I love that they're a part of our church. I love there's a certain aspect of energy and life they bring. But my friend, it takes all believers. Many believers of all ages doing just this. Hearing sensitive obedience to God's word, seeing the power play out in their lives. And then it takes older believers who have learned the most. Some of you, like I, have been in church for 40 years. What do we have to show for it? 
Where's the power in our living? If we've walked with Christ for so long, the disciples walked with Him for three years, they had things to show. Did they have growing? Yes. But they had something to show for their three years. And some of us, we've walked for 20 years, 25, 30, 40 years with God. Where is the power in our lives? And you say, well, I just, I just haven't done this. No, listen, there is power to be had for living. It just takes you and I unlocking it with obedience. Don't blame someone else. Don't blame some organization, some church, some school. Don't blame that because obedience unlocks the power of God. So where are we? How is it for us? Can I tell you this morning, this is what this pastor wants for Fostoria Baptist Church. Powerful living in the lives of its members, producing a powerful church for the kingdom of God. Don't you want that? And I sure do. We asked throughout this series the question this. What is church? This is it. Place where we come to be equipped. In closing, let's return our minds to the image here. Just a couple weeks, Christian will be getting married in a few uh, months. Zach and Susanna. What if on that day, listen to me carefully, okay? What if on that day, and they're, they're standing there in the chapel or the auditorium where they're getting married, and Zach and, and Christian up there, and, and uh, they look to the back, and, and, and the doors fling open. And What if, unfortunately, on that day, the two brides woke up very late? What if, in fact, they even lost their dress? And they missed their appointments the days leading up. They didn't get the pedicure, manicure, and, and uh, whatever the case may be, their hair done and so forth. And they woke up so late, they had to throw something on. They didn't have time to do their hair, and it's all over the place. Barely, they, they just threw it in a bun or something. And, and, and they barely makeup. They just did it in the car. That's always fun, right? Like shaving in the car for us guys, right? And it looks wonderful afterwards, I'm sure. Okay? And they showed up that way at the back. Now listen to me. Would Zach and Christian say, ooh? Would they say, oh, no, 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 let's, let's rethink this. Can I, uh, uh, resoundingly, neither Zach nor Christian would say that. They'd still have a great smile on their face and love in their heart. Why? Because listen, their acceptance of their bride, now listen to me, their acceptance of their bride is not based on how they appear, what they look like back there. Their acceptance and love for their bride is based upon a relationship that they have that was established a long time before that day. So they would love them, accept them, smile like nobody's business. Now listen to me. I sure am thankful that the day when you and I are going to be presented to Jesus Christ, He will accept us not based on how much we have grown into Jesus Christ. He will accept us because we have a relationship with Him. Because we are His children. We put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And when we appear before Christ, He'll say, come into heaven, not based upon how much I have grown, but based upon my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I sure am thankful for that. I'm thankful I don't have to earn my way to heaven. That it is indeed a free gift. But listen to me. As a pastor, I have had the privilege. You realize this. I've had the privilege of standing here with a groom. 
a groom who has probably, many of them, had just as much expenditure and sacrifice to help their bride, their wife to be, to get ready. They've maybe helped them pick out the dress. They've helped pick out the music to come into. They have even driven them to the salon, the beauty. They may have even chucked out the money to buy it and to pay for it. And they've put in a lot. They've seen the dress and they've seen this and they've seen her in makeup before and they've seen her all dolled up with her hair and everything else. But I'll tell you, my friend, I love it when I'm standing up here. The doors swing open. The bride appears and the groom's here and he goes, whoa. Wow. And that light, that face just lights up. And boy, you, the gleam sometimes tears. And someone are like, whoa. And I, I, it's all I can do to keep them from running. To go and break. Whoa. And some of them, they wait until they get up here. And, and I, I'm kind of privileged to hear what they say. You try not to, by the way. And, uh, but you hear them, oh, wow. You are so beautiful. Some of them are just speechless. Oh. <laughs> just take, oh. I tell you, honestly, it is one of my thrills as a pastor to see that in a, wow, they're just blown away. Even though they knew, they seen the dress before, they seen her all dolled up, but this is their bride. Hey, can I tell you, my friend, listen to me carefully. I want my God to have that kind of relation, reaction when he sees me. I want to be so presentable. And he will have done all the work. It is his Holy Spirit and his word and through my obedience working in my life. But I want my God, when he sees me, to say, wow, I sure am proud of you. You've been so faithful. You've done a good job. Thanks for using the tools I gave you to be all that you could be in Christ. I'm not there yet. But I want to be a part of a church that's going to help me get there. I'm going to be attached to a church that preaches the powerful word of God that helps me get ready. That will allow me to stand before my God and say, listen, Father, I I heard the word preached. I was sensitive to it. I was on the edge of my seat just soaking it in. And Father, I understood that in spite of the foolishness of the preacher and the preaching, I was soaking God's word in. And Father, when I heard it and your Holy Spirit spoke to me, I obeyed. There's not a time that went by that I didn't... Not perfect, Father, but man, I, I responded and I heeded and I obeyed. And Father, thank you for the power that you unleashed in my life. As pastor, I not only want it for me, I want it for every one of you. As the heart of the under-shepherd, man, I, I want your day when you stand before God for him just to give you that smile. Wow, man, you made great use of those years on earth. You took advantage of the power of, of my word I gave you. I want you, in that moment, to have the most joyous moment that you have ever or will ever experience. It takes time. It takes hearing His Word. It takes being sensitive and obedient to His Word and allowing His power unleashed in your life. And listen to me, it takes the church. God's plan and design. I said it once before in this series. I'll leave it at the end for you and I to chew on. His plan is the best plan. It always is. Now, our job and responsibility 
is to follow the plan. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you will join me all across the auditorium, I apologize for taking a few moments. I won't take too many long. Remain seated, if you will, with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you'll listen carefully, if we can just hang on a second as we shuffle and put things away. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to work. Let's be sensitive to Him even in this moment. I want to ask you just a few questions, if you will, with me. How many of you this morning, as we have studied the series and even this message this morning, you would say this, Pastor, I I want to have power in my life, and I understand to do that. I I need to do a better job listening to God's Word, being sensitive to it every service, every devotional time, obeying it. And today, God has spoken to my heart, and I want to commit to doing just that. That every message, every time of devotions, every opportunity, I'm going to be sensitive to the Word of God, and I want to have power in my life. How many of you say, yeah, Pastor, God has spoken to me about that, and I'm committing to that today. Moving forward, I want to see that power unleashed through my obedience and sensitivity to God's Word. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If that's you, just raise your hand all over the auditorium. That's me. Yes, Pastor. I, I need that. Amen. Many hands across the board. I need that. Maybe you're an older believer. Maybe you're your younger believer. Yes, I want that power. I, I need it to be unleashed in my life through obedience. Number two, maybe you're here this morning. You'll say this. I, I know God has a lot of work left to do on me to make me presentable. But today, the Holy Spirit has spoken to my heart about recommitting to that maturation process. In other words, getting the goal back to what it needs to be. Wait a minute. I only have so many years here on earth to be ready to be presentable unto my God, my Savior. And so today, I'm going to do my part to grow. Pray for me as I strive to get back, focusing on the spiritual goal of my life being ready for that day. Yeah, something in this world, distractions, I've gotten my focus and attention off of that. But boy, on today, I want to get back to preparing for that moment. You say, Pastor, God has spoken to me about that. Would you pray for me that, that I get back on track getting ready for that? Thank you. Any others? Hey, that's me. Oh, yeah. Put your hand up. Put it right back down. Amen. Let's get ready for that day. Let's say, Father, there's work to do. I understand it, but I'm going to be yielded, submitted, and sensitive to your word. And then number three, how many of you say this morning, I want Fostoria Baptist Church to be a powerful church. It is a power that I understand comes from the word of God being obeyed in the lives of the members of Fostoria Baptist Church. And so I will work hard getting that power in my life, but I'm also going to pray that Fostoria Baptist Church has the power of God in it through its members every day for the rest of 2018. I'm going to commit this morning, I'm going to commit to praying for Fostori Baptist Church that God would unleash His power in the lives of its members as they obey His Word and then in our church. If you'll commit to that this morning, say, yeah, I'll pray through the rest of this year. Every day, as best as I can, if I am able, I will do that. Just raise your hand all across the world. I'm going to pray for power for Fostoria Baptist Church. Amen. Many hands across the auditorium. In just a moment, the piano begins to play. You and I are going to stand to our feet. Could I challenge you this? If you raised your hand, would you pray? Even better, would you come down an old-fashioned altar and be an example to others, kind of lead the way and say, oh, yeah, God's spoken to me and I want to be sensitive. Just last Sunday night, we had our teenagers stand up in front of everyone and talk about the decisions that they have made. Wouldn't it be great if adults responded in such a way that you and I demonstrated God is at work in my life? 
There's power happening in my life. I want God's power. So I'm going to seal the deal. I'm going to take this decision that God has spoken to me about, and I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray. If you are physically able, I would encourage you to do that. Father, we thank you for how you've spoken. We thank you for how you've taken this series and challenged and confronted our church and grown us and encouraged us all along the way. Father, I pray even in this moment that as we enter into this time of invitation that you would allow us and help us and permit us and may we be submitting to your Holy Spirit to make the decisions that we need to make. And Father, may we commit as we have by raising our hand, may we also commit and verbalize it in prayer that you would do great things in our midst, that you would unleash your power and that, Father, we would be faithfully obedient to your word. Father, help Fostoria Baptist Church. And as we pray that, we understand that that means helping every individual member because this church is the members. Father, help us this morning. Help us, each one that's raised their hand, help them to stick to these decisions. Help them to keep it and and keep their focus. And Father, may we not grow calloused and cold-hearted to your word. And may we always be sensitive to it. And Father, may we be obedient as we leave these doors. May these doors, may we be thinking of ways to obey your word. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I ask you to join me in standing all across the auditorium. The people.